Well, welcome to the West Church Podcast. This is the After Message Edition. On this podcast, we like to talk about the teaching from our Sunday morning gatherings and hopefully help one another take a step in our walk with Jesus. My name is Chase Gentis, and I am one of the pastors on staff here at Westridge, and I get the privilege of being your host today. This past Sunday, we began a brand new teaching series entitled The Church, and this week, Pastor Brian specifically talked about the gathering of the church. So what is the church, and why is it so important that we're a part of it? Well, this week on the podcast, we're hoping to discuss why this gathering of the church is essential to your walk with Jesus. We're wired to be in community and on mission, and one of the things that Pastor Brian shared with us this past Sunday was that the church is God's plan to accomplish His mission on the earth. This is plan A, and there isn't a plan B. So today, my guest is our family ministries pastor and the pastor of our high school students, Todd Hampton. Todd, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Uh, To be honest, I'm a little bummed. Yeah, come on. Let's talk about it. And I wore this shirt for you. Yeah. But also for myself, to remind myself that the Braves are still world champions, mm-hmm. um, even though we're, we're mourning a little bit after a sweep from the after Mets. After the beatdown that you took. that was brutal. Yeah. I was, uh, dude, the Mets were just, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of baseball for a second. So if you, if you don't like baseball, you can just like hit the 30 second skip button right now. But uh, for 30 seconds, we're going to talk about baseball. So, um, man, the Mets, relentless pitching. I mean just dominant. Mm-hmm. I could talk about the umpires a little bit, but I'm not going to, cause it doesn't matter. Like it right. doesn't like, there were some things that I was yesterday watching and just, you know, beating my head against the couch. Cause I was thinking, man, even if, even if they were calling some of the strikes Strider was throwing, wouldn't have mattered. The right. Braves bats were just asleep. So, mm-hmm. uh, what, what are we back now? Six and a half, six and a half. Dang, are, are we calling it? Is it over? No, it's not over. Okay, I don't think it's over, dude. It's freaking August. It's not over. Yeah, but um, you, there's a, so apparently there's only seven games left head to head, and you're okay. back six and a half. So, and the Mets have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. Really? So yeah, I'm feeling. I mean, for a Mets fan, Mets fans can never be fully confident, right? Because there's always you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, they're confident. We are confident, <laughs> but there's always like a little bit of like. The what if scenario, worst yeah. case, you're you're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, yeah. We've just seen too much of that. So I mean, every, but everybody's I'm pretty good. Right, everybody's now. healthy. Then I mean, dude, Scherzer yesterday was just dominant, mm-hmm. and he always is. But like, it just it's insane to watch. When you that. got Degrom and Scherzer up yep. at the top. That's that's and gonna so, be tough. So, so that was two two days ago. Was was With Scherzer, Scherzer. Yeah. and Degrom was like that was his first game back, right? Second game back. Second, okay. Um, but yeah, just just dominant pitching, Braves fans. Let's just hang in there. Um, we're still world champions. Like I said, I wore the shirt today to to let Todd know, to let myself know. Still, still holding on to 2021 a little bit. Hey, you hold on to it, man, because I'm holding on to 86. Yeah, it doesn't come very often. <laughs> yeah, right? it does not. Um, so uh, let's just let's just jump into our discussion now. Sorry if you don't like baseball. Um, so we want to talk about a little bit about the the message from this past Sunday, and like I said, Pastor Brian kicked off this brand new series on the church, specifically talking about the gathering of God's people, uh, the ecclesia, uh, as it is in Greek. And uh, he talked about some common misconceptions that people have around the church. And um, one of those things was that the church is just a building. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, like, I don't know if you, the way that I grew up was very much a, hey, we're going to the church to mm-hmm. you know meet up with so-and-so or um, I left my coffee cup at the church, right. that kind of thing. Like, it's just this place that right. you go. Um, but it's not, it's the gathering of, of God's uh, people. So um, 
the other one of the other misconceptions that he talked about was that the church is just a spiritual superstore, uh, that those who gather have become consumers, and that the staff of the church is just here to serve their needs. So, why do you think um, why do you think that's the case, and how have you seen it play out not only in your ministry career but also like just the past few years? Well, I mean, it's it's just it's cultural. I think that's the biggest piece. You know, there's um, everybody is wired to like it's all about the customer. Mm-hmm. You know, so man, this you know this chicken sandwich is not exactly the way I want it. So now you owe me this. The customer's yeah. always right. So it, like I think we are all just conditioned to everywhere we go. It's all about us, yeah. right? So, and I think it's just easy. It's it's tough not to just pile on people a little bit. It's just easy. Like it's the natural thing for all of us then to assume that church yeah. is the same thing. So yeah. I've got to find and when there's a church on every street corner, right? Mm-hmm. Like what we live in in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh it's easy to just church shop and find, you know, the place that's gonna fit me the best and mm-hmm. my needs the best and it's gonna be about me. And so it's it's just a it's a natural thing for it to feel very consumeristic. Yeah. And I, I think the other challenge is too, like we wrestle with this as a, I feel like as a staff, like you, when you're in ministry and you're trying to reach people, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're trying to reach people that have a consumeristic mindset. They don't understand the ultimate purpose of the church. They mm-hmm. don't get that. So you are naturally going to, going to try to appeal to their needs mm-hmm. or you're, you know, you feel like in some ways you're, tr- you're not necessarily trying to sell yourself, but you're trying to present to them like, this is why we're a good option for you. Mm -hmm. So that's automatically still kind of feeds into that whole mentality. Yeah. Um, So it's just, I I, I don't think it's, it's really, to me, it's hard to really even break from that unless there's a certain, there's a level of maturity there as a believer where then the, the switch kind of flips to where you go, Oh, okay. This, so this is the purpose of, why I'm here and you know what the church exists for and that kind of thing. So hmm. as we're going in the community and trying to meet needs and you know appeal to people's greatest need and you know help them find purpose and you know all of those kind of things it's it's tough not to to a certain extent feed into that consumeristic mentality. I think the other challenge too to be honest you, you mentioned over the last couple of years the thing, the thing that I notice, especially, and, and this would be true across the the church, but if I'm talking specifically about students, is the like COVID. The people that seem like they walked away from the church, they mm-hmm. just determined it wasn't it wasn't valuable to them. Right. right? I watched a, I watched our student ministry get cut in half or mm-hmm. more so in yeah. some ways, and the students that I some of them surprised me. Like, man, I thought that. Mm-hmm. Like they grasped this or there was a level of maturity or whatever. So some of the students surprised me, but it seemed like by and large, the students that walked away, they just determined this isn't valuable to me. And I feel like that's what we've done as a culture. We've just had to determine I'm cutting out the stuff that just, I've got to simplify my life. Now I don't know that we're, you know, we're kind of back to like, you know, all the things, but it felt like for a period of time, it was like, I'm going to cut out all the stuff that I just don't feel like is valuable to me. And by and large, church kind of didn't fit that bill for a lot of people. Yeah, wasn't you know? essential to people, right? So, right. Do, you, do you think? So now that we're kind of, I would, I don't know if we'll ever be able to say that we're post-pandemic. I don't know if that's yeah. allowed to, if we're allowed to say that. Um, but I'm just going to use that terminology now that being on this side of 
of the COVID-19 thing, do you feel like now that, you know, travel ball is back, right? Um, everything's kind of back to where it was mm-hmm. for the most part, at least where we live. Do you think that it's become even worse on this side of, like you kind of talked about you losing half the student ministry. Are, are they starting to come back or is it like they're gone? Yeah. I, I mean, I think for the most part they're gone. Wow. And and the challenge is, I know I've been guilty of this. I don't know how much our, our team and stuff where you're just like, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with our leaders as we kick off the year. Man, maybe this is the night that they come mm-hmm. back, you know, and just kind of sitting around waiting for them, like yeah. as if they're just going to walk through the door instead of just really like they they left and they gone. Yeah. You know, like we can't just sit around and like we're going to have to go after them mm-hmm. and and reach them again and have kind of that mentality and that spirit of like how can we reach the lost mm-hmm. and the broken, the hurting, and not just set up shop and assume that they're just going to roll up into yeah. what we're doing. Is there a tension there for you? Like speaking specifically of the consumer mindset, is there a tension between do we try to reach these students in a way that like that's attractional, that draws them in so that we can give them the spiritual side of it? Like what what's that tension that you wrestle with as far as being attractional to a to a certain point, but also knowing that you have to be missional? Yeah, I think I mean there is a tension there. And I think sometimes you kind of swing to one end or the other. Mm-hmm. So you know, over the last couple of years, it was very much like, man, the students who are showing up, they want to be here. So there was a depth and there was a, we'd have to worry about, you know, lacrosse balls whizzing past the yeah. worship leader's head, you know, or, or just. Did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's pre-pandemic. It's, it's, some, it's some fun stuff. You know, where students sneaking off into the woods or, yeah. you know, just all the things that just happen when you're, when you're trying to reach lost students in our mm. community. And there wasn't that. So there was like, you know, the pendulum kind of swung to that other end of going deep discipleship and like students who want to be there. And, and there is, there can easily be kind of a comfort there of like, man, let's just sit in this and like Mm. enjoy it. And yet the reality of like being missional, you know, is still, there's broken students, you know, within a 10 mile radius of our church. So I feel like there, you're, you're constantly managing that tension. So some of the things for us of going, all right, here's where we've sat for the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. there's students who want to be there, and we've seen some great things, and yet at the same time, we're called to reach the lost. Yeah. So you've got to be able to have those those moments to be able to do that. How are we going to do that? And some of it, I feel like, you know, for me, you're you're trying to create some moments that are going to attract students, so that naturally, like, you're you're kind of appealing to students of like, hey, if we have a this fun thing or we do something that's going to you know, it's going to be easy for our students to bring a friend. So I don't have a problem like creating some of those moments mm-hmm. because the what's the purpose? Like, well, this is why we do this particular thing to try to reach some of those students. Yeah. So there is that tension of like allowing our students to be missional and equipping them to go and, you know, and share the gospel with their lost friends, but then also creating some of those moments that make easy on-ramps, you know, for new students to get connected or, or plugged in. Yeah. So, I mean, so what's what's interesting to think through is, you know, when, when we're talking about being a spiritual superstore or just kind of looking at the mentality of a lot of, again, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's, it's super Americanized, right? Like it's, you talked about a church on every corner where you can kind of jump from, well, this church's music's too loud or, mm-hmm. or it's not loud enough, or I like the teaching over here, so I'm going to go over here, or I'm going to tune into this podcast on this week, and then I'm going to attend this church in person. 
we, we have all these options available to us. When you look at the New Testament church, that was, that's, that's an unheard of. Like that's not, if you dropped one of the 12 apostles into our paradigm, it would, I, I can't imagine what they would think or, or right. what they would want to say to us. Um, to think that, well, I don't really, you know, the pastor said this thing and I just don't know if I can, I don't know if I can attend there anymore. Um, so that consumeristic mindset is just foreign to the New Testament of, yeah. I mean, these people, if you look through church history, the only, there's only one apostle of Christ that did not get martyred for his faith. And that's John, the, the apostle John. Not that they didn't try. They tried boiling him, boiling him in hot oil. So it wasn't that they didn't try. Right. Um, he didn't die and it freaked him out. They, they cast him out to Patmos, right? But all of them were, were killed for their faith. So for them, for us to think through that tension of like people, it cost them something to be a disciple. And for us to say, we're, well, I don't know if I liked the music or I don't know if I liked that one social post. So I'm just going to, I'm going to bail right. and go somewhere else. Um, it's, it's just interesting to think through that because I don't think that um, that would even be a concept to the first followers of Jesus. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting to think through is like, I think that there can be some grace on one hand when we think about um, being a consumer. Like I, I was thinking through this this morning that my son, he's seven, about to be eight. Um, he's just transitioning into the the period of life where he can begin to contribute to our family as far as like helping her out around the house, right? He's picking up his toys or helping to load the dishwasher or clean his room. Um, he's really been into making me coffee lately, which has been interesting. Dang, how'd you pull um, that off? He was all about it. He was like... I want to help. Oh, he wanted to learn how to like weigh the beans and put them in the grinder and all this stuff. So um, just, I'm going to write this down. I'm just creating my a little, kids. a little coffee nerd and I'm good with it. Um, <laughs> but what's uh, anyway, so like he's starting to become more of a, contr- a contributor to our family, but early on, he's not, he's a consumer, right? He's, he's consuming our food, our time, our, our energy, our sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because he doesn't know how to feed himself yet. Right. So I think if you're, if you're listening to this and you may be new to the faith, there's a little bit of grace there, obviously, to where it's, you know, we want you to grow in your faith, but as you mature and as, you, as you're resting in the finished work of the cross, yes, but as you mature, that's when you begin to learn about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has gifted you with, that God's wired you with to contribute, right? Mm. Um, however, if you've been following Jesus for a, a while now, you should not just be consuming, you should be contributing to the family, right? Yeah. Um, and Pastor Brian talked about the familial language of of the Word of God and how the, you know God the Father, God the Son, how we're brothers and sisters in Christ, um, the bride of Christ, right? Um, you had mentioned to me that that, that familial language stuck out to you um, yesterday. So unpack that a little bit for us. What, what, what about that uh, struck you yesterday? Well, I think, I mean, kind of what you alluded to, I, I don't know that typically when we think of the church, you know, and maybe again, maybe this is going back to thinking of it as a building, but seeing it as a, as a family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for my wife, Angie and I, like we're, you know, we've, I've got two high schoolers and a middle schooler. So it's like, we're in the thick of it now. Mm-hmm. Like, like we didn't even think, you know, <laughs> when they were your kid's age or younger, it was like, that's just a different world. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we're seeing them as teenagers and maybe feeling in some ways more consumeristic than mm-hmm. ever before. 
and look and even looking like I see this sometimes in our kids of like seeing even our family of like, hey, what can mom do for me? Or like, mm. you know, I'm gonna lay around here until dinner's ready and um and that kind of thing. And I know every family kind of feels that that tension. And so some of the conversations I feel like we have as a family are like, there's five of us and each of us can like here's ultimately what the picture of what God's called us to be as a family. This is what it needs to look like. And each of us has a part to play in mm. accomplishing that. Yeah. And if four of us do it and one goes off the rails or acts like a fool, like that impacts all of us, right? Yeah. And it keeps us from ultimately like living out the mission that God's called us to be as a family. And so I feel like that's like the world that we're in right now. And so for for Pastor Brian yesterday to talk about that in, in terms of like, you know, community of believers and a family and a church. I just, that just resonated with me because that is exactly the same thing mm-hmm. where it's not just on Pastor Brian or the executive team or, you right. know, the leadership of the church or the staff. Like everybody that walks in the door, if they call Westridge home, they have a part to play. Mm-hmm. And what has God called us to? What's the mission that God's given us to that bigger picture of who he's called us to be? Yeah. And to know that everybody contributes you know it is it is the first corinthians 12 you know it's the one body many parts and mm-hmm. just that beautiful picture of like how paul lays it out of like we've we've all been given gifts and for the sake of the body of christ right. to to use that and so it feels like that flies in the face of the consumeristic thing mm-hmm. and maybe that's part of like the language that i think would help kind of break us from that of consumeristic is like what do you got for me? What do you mm-hmm. got for me? It's all about me instead of a family's like, look, I, I play a role in something bigger than mm-hmm. just me. And so I just, I thought that just resonated with me a ton. And so I even think about like, to go back to students, one of the things you try to, you know, kind of push back on the consumeristic thing is like the ownership. Like I, I want my, I want my kids to have ownership in our family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which I think I think it just they understand like I've got a part to play like me contribute this is the piece that I own mm-hmm. to make our family better to right. make it healthier to make it thrive like what God wants. And so I love the picture of that like even for our students of saying like our high school ministry is not just it's not mine it's not just our leaders it's mm-hmm. yours and you have a part to play and you contribute and you coming in and taking ownership and saying not just sitting in a seat and going, all right, what you got for me tonight, mm-hmm. but rather saying, I'm going to walk into this place and I have a part to play to make it better. Mm-hmm. And if I live that out and contribute my part, like the the church, the body of Christ, this ministry is going to thrive as a result of that. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just, I love the picture of that. It just, it fits so well with kind of where we're at as a family. Yeah. So one of the things that, that often happens in families, conflict and I mean, we, we, which, you know, Brian alluded to this yesterday about it's messy. Like there's things that happen in your family that you, there's tension and there's conflict and there's disunity. And for a family, when you're blood, like you just figure that out. You just have to press mm-hmm. through it. Um, but with church, with the church body, if you will, it, it can seem like people can be super quick to jump ship when things get a little messier or things get a little um, maybe uneasy around um, maybe the church that you're a part of. Why do you think people are so quick to do that when 
when it comes to conflict? Uh, I, I mean, I just think that's, that's how we handle everything. I don't think it's just a church thing. I mean, and I watch, you know, when, if there's conflict between friends, it's like, I, it's just a whole lot easier to cut them out. Mm-hmm. I'm just done with them. Unfollow them. Unfollow them. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's just so easy to avoid the hard conversations mm-hmm. and avoid those messy situations. Cause it's like, I, you know what I can, I'll just move on without them. So I'll cut out that friendship. I'll unfollow that person. I'll, you know, leave this church. I'll just kind of go and do my, my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even marriages and, you know, you see like what the ultimate picture of that's supposed to be. And yet mm-hmm. it becomes, man, I'm just not happy. I, this, this marriage is not fulfilling me. Right. You know, so it, it it's just easier to just go, man, let's just, let's just cut it off, you yeah. know, and, and be done with it instead of like, let's have the hard conversations. Right. So, you know, the, the family thing I've, I've seen, you know, students over the years who have tried to go through emancipation, like with their parents and you're like, how, how bad has it gotten? Right. How do you get that there? family? Like you're just heartbroken for that of mm-hmm. going, it's gotten so dysfunctional and so bad that the student is willing to take a step like that to just be done with the family. Hmm. Um, and, and you just see like, you know, as I, there's a, it's messy. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's, there's a lot of hard conversations and it, sometimes we're just not willing to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to church and again, because there's, there's another church I could easily bounce up the street to. Right. It's just easy to go, you know what? He said that and that offended me, or mm-hmm. I don't really agree with that mission, or, you know, this ministry is not working the way I would want, or they told me no here that I couldn't do that, you know, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. And it's just easier to, to walk away because that's what we do in every other area of our life. Right. Yeah. That's so we, we talk about the mission of the church, like our, so our mission statement leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Um, and, Really, just like Pastor Brian talked about yesterday, disciples making disciples. I love that terminology. Um, and, he, and he talked about a disciple being someone that follows someone else in hopes of becoming what they are. Um, so as you lead our family ministries at Westridge, with that perspective in mind, like the the overall, the scope of from, I mean, you're over preschool through high school, right? Mm-hmm. So with that scope in mind, what's the best way to to lead these these students, these kids to become a full devoted follower of Jesus, to become disciples? What's, what do you feel like is a, is the best way to do that? Well, I, th- I think we've got to give them pictures of what it looks like. Mm. So I felt the burden for that over the last few years. And, you know, now that I've been here a decade, mm-hmm. I'm looking back and I'm seeing over the years, like, you know, you've got the benefit of kind of looking back and mm-hmm. seeing, okay, over the last 10 years of students who've come through you know, our kids ministry and, and student ministry and kind of moved on to the next thing. How many of them are following Jesus? What does that look like? How many of them have kind of walked away or just are kind of doing their own thing? And, and I think for like now for, it's so countercultural in so many ways of like a fully devoted follower of Jesus mm-hmm. that is dying to themselves and taking up the cross and following Jesus mm-hmm. and determine that Jesus is worth following after. And like that doesn't, it obviously doesn't come naturally and Mm -hmm. it runs counter to the culture in so many different ways. And so I think for students just to feel like they're just going to understand that without seeing it Mm -hmm. in the flesh, I think that's a huge thing. So, you know, for me, it's like, how do we bring back former students and Mm -hmm. put them in front of our students now to say, this is what 
not put them on a pedestal. They're not perfect, but like, this is what it looks like as a young adult Mm -hmm. to follow after Jesus. Um, The other thing I just, you're just realizing how, how important it is to have other adults Mm -hmm. that are involved, that are leading preschool and leading kids and leading students and involved in their life to say, Hey, I'm a few years down the road from you. You know, let me just as like, follow me as I follow Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? So let me, let me try to the best of my ability to show you what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus as mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn that myself right. and live that out. Let me just come alongside you and, and help you navigate through and, and show you what that can look like. Yeah. So I think it is a, it's like we got to have more adults that are, mm. that are being willing to do that, to show them what it can look like. I mean, I think back to Psalm 78, like, mm. you know, we're going to teach the next generation the wonders of God, the power of God so that they will know and choose to follow him and set their hope on him. And so I think to have other generations that are willing to come in and say, okay, for the sake of this generation and the future of the church, we're willing to do that. I think the other thing is just, is families, like parents, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that see, like, I'm going to be held accountable one day for not how well they did on the ball field or Mm -hmm. how smart they were, but like how much I led them to Jesus, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and parents that just understand that too, even while they feel inadequate to do that, right? And and I feel like probably more inadequate to do that now than I ever have, yeah. which is ironic since I'm the high school pastor. <laughs> you know, my, there's some days I, my wife and I look at ourselves and we're like, what are we doing? Like, I, don't, I don't know what we do now. Yeah. There's not, there's not, I feel like there's, there's books out there and stuff, but we're still trying to navigate through it. So for parents just to own and go, man, I, I just feel inadequate to do that, but I, I know that it's important, so I'm going to lean into this yeah. and figure it out. You know, well, it's just so it's just starting somewhere as well. Like, yeah, it's not just saying because you can have that defeated mindset of I don't even know where to start, so I'm just not going to right. Like this, is just like with health or working out, right? You're just like, dude, I'm so far gone, I don't even know where to start, so I'm right. just gonna keep eating the donuts, right? That's yeah. just, that's my testimony. Yeah. Um, but with, with leading your family, um, I was thinking about this concept. So like we think about, I've heard uh, another author talk about, or I've read another author talk about practicing the ways of Jesus. Um, I think it's John Mark Comer that talks about the practicing the way mm-hmm. that's his whole, um, shtick. And he's got like a podcast about it, but it's interesting to think about you're practicing the ways of Jesus, kind of like you would practice anything. Like it's, if you look at, we, we talked about baseball earlier with baseball, like professional guys, they make it to the show, right? They're, they've made the, that's their goal in life. They finally made it. They're still practice. They still take BP every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I even saw, so um, I'll give the Braves one more plug. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> second you got, place Braves. <laughs> you've got Ron Washington, right? That's really, um, famous for this infield drill he does with his players so much so that he's at the all-star game. Pete Alonzo mm-hmm. is taking infield practice with Ron Washington because he wants to get better. He's continuing to practice and say, I want to continue to, to hone my skills and get better. It's the same way in our walk with Christ. Like we're just, we're just practicing. We're just continuing to do things over and over and over again to where we're becoming more like Jesus. I mean, that's again, going back to the definition that pastor Brian used is we're following him in order to become more like him. So as you think about like even parenthood, like you're a dad, um, you just mentioned three kids, kind of, you know, high school, middle school, crazy um, season of life. Uh, you're, so you're ahead of me, 
right? Um, I, my son's in second grade, and I, I, I'm like you. I'm thinking, man, I don't know what the heck we're doing from day to day. It's one one day, it's like, man, we're we're really doing really good. Like he's yeah. awesome. He's doing so good. And then the next day, it's like, what happened? Right. <laughs> he was doing so great, and now yeah. he's, you know, uh, acting crazy again. So, what would you say? Or I'll just say I'll put myself on the table. What would you say to me? You know, you're you're ahead of me. How old's your youngest? Uh, Twelve. What grade is he in? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's five five grades ahead of my kid. Um, What would you say to me about like how how do you encourage someone like me to disciple a seven year old, eight year old, in order to get to that place where you are currently? And then like I guess laying that foundation. How would you encourage someone like me? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think what you said earlier is, is a big deal. Just start small. Mm -hmm. So that could, you know, if you baby step this thing, like it could look like, Hey, we're just going to make sure our kids are in church every week. Mm -hmm. You know, again, like understanding this and the value of church and you you know, it is important, like for the sake of the future of my, my kid or my student or wherever, wherever they are, Yeah, I I need to make sure that they're in church. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think for us as a as a church, we try to provide environments that are that are really good. You know, and constantly trying to look at it and go, how can we improve? How can we make changes? How can we do this more effectively? Because we understand that parents are bringing their kid or their student, and they, you know, they're they're trusting that that's a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Like if I have my kid in your ministry, like they're going to learn about Jesus and they're going to you know, understand that. And so sometimes that, that may be just a baby step. We're going to re we're going to prioritize this. This Mm -hmm. has got to be important. And we don't know how to do that. We don't know, but we know that that's important. Right. So even just understanding the priority and and just baby step in that. Um, And then I think from there, like let your, let your kid or your student see you follow Jesus. Mm, That's good. Let, let them see you you know, wrestle with things, let them see, like in those, I remember years ago I had this, I was talking to this mom and she's like, Hey, you know, she had two kids in the ministry and she's like, you know, my husband just lost his job and you know, we're, we're devastated. We're not sure what we're going to do. And, Mm. and you know, and so I just wanted you to know as you're ministering to, to our kids. And I was like, well, what have you talked to them about? She's like, Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Like we're, we're trying to protect them from that. And I, you know, I, I get, you don't want to kind of sound a bunch of alarms, like, hey guys, we're going to sure. be homeless. But I just thought, and just try to encourage, like, what an opportunity to say, hey guys, we don't know what the future holds, but right. we're going we're to trust God together. Right. And I think those moments are huge for kids to see that. Like, you know, I, I look, I try to be as honest as possible with my kids now, like even just within the last six months of losing my dad mm-hmm. and just being honest with them of going, Cause I'm tired mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not sure if, you know, where I'm at in this whole grief thing and, you know, just trying to navigate through a lot of those things. Yeah. And I'm just learning, I'm just learning how to trust God and depend on him in moments when I feel weak. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm just, I'm hoping that those are moments where they're going to go, man, I'm seeing my dad live that out. Right. So that's what it needs to look like because they're going to have their own moments. And if we don't model it for them, then they're going to figure out another way, right? Or another, yeah. another. they're going to blaze their own trail. So I think regardless of those situations, those moments, like I want my kids to come downstairs and see me spending time with God, That's right. you know, just those moments where they're just going to look back as they get older and go, I remember mm-hmm. how much my mom or my dad just prioritized their walk with Jesus. Yeah. 
So it's sometimes it's simple. Now, like my personality, I find myself be the preacher sometimes to my kids Mm -hmm. and I have to be like, okay, stop preaching at them, you know? Mm. Um, So in my like grand, like wonderful plan, you know, for our family, the whole world, like dinner, the dinner table becomes like this great spiritual conversation. And we're talking about all the deep things of God and it's not, it's freaking chaotic. Yeah, Yeah. And you know, and we, we make it a point to have dinner together before we got to, you know, go on to practice or whatever. Yeah. At four thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's just try to find that, that moment, that time is, is important. Yeah. And it's like, this may be the only time, like our family time together today mm-hmm. is this, this 20 minutes. And so I want to like pull this big spiritual conversation in it. And I've got two boys and they're, you know, just crazy and hyper and, you know, they don't want to sit still. Mm-hmm. And I find myself more getting frustrated. And so then it's, I think for parents, it's just going to just find those moments. If you lay with your kid before they go to bed and you just say, Hey, let's, let's just talk about God real quick. Mm -hmm. Or like our thing has been in the morning in the car, my kids are tired. They're half asleep. I don't have to worry about them bouncing off the walls. Hey guys, let's do a, let's do a verse, you know, on the way to, Mm -hmm. on the way to school. So it's just trying to find those little moments. It doesn't, we don't have to overcomplicate it, but just find those moments, those rhythms throughout the day where we can just plant those seeds and just, you know, kind of start with some of those baby steps. Right. I mean, so you brought up just those, having those moments, like, I mean, Deuteronomy 6 is a great place to, when you think about family discipleship and how to lead your kids and and your wife, like, but, you know, it talks about um, Deuteronomy 6 verse 7 talks about um, impressing these commandments on your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, like when you're in the car to ball practice, when you're sitting at the table to eat dinner or breakfast, um, when you're walking down the road, um, you know, to to put these things into practice all the time. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be only at dinner and, okay, I'm going to open my Bible, even though like you're yelling at each other, I'm just going to read and we're just going to figure this out. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, I'm with you, man. I've tried so many different things and failed. And it's like trial and error a little bit. And some yeah. of that is true. You have to kind of try what works best for your family. Is it first thing in the morning? Is it right before bed or whatever? But to have a rhythm that's just consistent to where even though it might feel like it's messy, we're just going to try to be as consistent as possible. And there's mm-hmm. going to be some inconsistency mixed in because life happens. Yeah. Um, you know, especially like vacation's always hard for me personally because it's like I still – I'm not taking a vacation from following Jesus. Like right. I'm, I'm still trying to be sure that we're – you know, in God's word every day and that we're still having that family worship time and trying to have those, those rhythms still built in, but that we're still, we're still flawed, right? We still have those inconsistent times, but, um, that's so good, man. I, I appreciate your leadership, appreciate the example that you set, not only for me as a husband and a father, but as our church, like you're setting an example for our high school students and, uh, appreciate your leadership, man. Thank you Thank so you. much for what appreciate you do. That. Um, Man, I know that I knew this was going to be a good conversation, I, even though you're a Mets fan. Um, <laughs> what we have, we have unity in Christ, man. I'm still, so. a, I'm still a good guy, man. Come on, <laughs> I think you are. You are. Um, well, Jesus makes you good. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, love you, man. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank uh, you. So, we hope if you're listening and this was helpful to you, that you would take a moment to share this with someone that you might uh, that you think that may be helped by it. So. As we talked about today, the church is family, and it's important for you to be connected to your local church. It's essential for your walk with Christ. 
And a great way to get connected here at Westridge is our group launch event. And that's coming up in just a couple of weeks on August 21st. And if you're not part of a group and you want to get connected to our family, go to westridge.com slash groups. We'd love to have you come to our group launch event and get you connected to our church. So we hope you have a great week, have a great day, and please remember that you are loved.